Welcome to Go Rangers Radio, where the New York Rangers are always the talk of the town. If you bleed red, white, and Rangers blue, hail the king, follow the bread man, and know how to spell Capo Caco, then you've tuned to the right place. And now, here are your handsome hosts, Kevin Delury and Paul Cuthbert. They're not always going to get it right, but you can be damn sure they'll pretend they are. Now, let's go Rangers Radio. Yeah, good evening everybody and welcome to Go Rangers Radio right here on the Go Hockey Media Network. It is Wednesday, December 4th. Live from New York, baby. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cutler and the ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome aboard your friend and mine, Mr. Kevin DeLore, KD. How you doing, baby? Good, Paulie. Feeling good, man. We're into the holiday season. I got my lights up in front of the house. Going to cut down a Christmas tree this weekend and uh, life is good, my friend. Well, happy holidays, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Same to you. Thank you so much. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, Very good, you know. A lot of, lot of family, a lot of food, a lot of booze, you know, right. good times. More booze about, than food? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. You know, my went over to my sister's house and, you know, next thing I know, she's busting out some peanut butter flavored whiskey. Have you ever had this stuff? <laughs> I've never felt the need to try any peanut butter whiskey, yeah. buddy. Yeah, I don't I need any flavor on my whiskey. <laughs> I didn't think I did either, but it was fantastic, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, other than that, real, real good. How about you? Uh, good stuff, man. I uh, I got to do some extra push-ups and sit-ups next week because I put on a few extra pounds, as everybody does. But it's all good. My belly's full. And we got range of hockey is in high gear. What a couple of days it's been. Uh, four games here since we did our little uh, Thanksgiving holiday pregame show before the Carolina game last week. And the boys have gone 2-1-1 uh, one and one since then, obviously. 13-10-3 and 10 and three total on the season there, KD, after 26 games. 29 points. And on this, the 10th episode of Go Rangers Radio, I got to tell you, buddy, I'm digging what this team's doing. How about yourself? You know, it's funny, Paulie. <laughs> I've been the rainbows and unicorn guy here so far this year. And, and I'm still on board with the rebuild, and I'm not, you know, suddenly becoming negative about it. But I felt like it was a, a pretty uneven week for the team, even with a 2-1-1 one, and one record. You know, I, I really think, you know, the headline of the week really was that the special teams really let the team down this week. And uh, I think the team is really still learning that they need to have a, a killer instinct because a couple of these games, especially the Boston game where they had the Bruins, you know, up on the ropes, up against the ropes, you know, and they let them back into the game where they didn't take advantage of a five on three power play. And that really seemed to ignite the Bruins. If they're able to sort of, you know, put their foot on the Bruins throat there and, you know, get a, get a goal there to get up three, nothing, that game is over. You know, instead, again, you know, Boston comes alive, big kill, you know, and the next thing you know, you lose it in overtime. And I felt that it was sort of a theme of the week. The Carolina game, they went up big, 3 nothing. Power play went to sleep. Uh, Carolina came back and they had a hold on. Thankfully, Hank was super Hank. Um, you know, Wednesday night against Carolina, they still came out with the victory. Um, you saw it um, against Vegas where the power play completely fell on its face. Penalty kill has been terrible all year. You know, they, they spotted Vegas a 3 nothing lead. They started the game. They were asleep to start the game. That's on Quinn. Whenever a team isn't ready to play, that's on the coach. And they had chances to get back in that game, to jump back in with the power play, didn't take advantage. So I'm a little, a little down on the team right now, Paulie. Who are you? You got some nerve, buddy. After all the positive stuff last week, you got the nerve to come on our show and just point out all the negatives right out of the gate. Well, listen here, buddy. I got some retractions to your redactions here, buddy. Hey, look, man, that Boston game, again, if we're, if we're in the rebuild theme here and, uh, we're, we're, you know, they go into the hottest team in the league's house uh, on a Friday afternoon after everybody's full of turkey, 
you know, and they go in there and they gave it a good shot. Yeah, they didn't come out, but they got a point, man. Consider the last game that they played against the Bruins when they got blown out. I'll take that point. You move on. Next, let's go. They regroup and they did what they had to do against the Devils. The Devils are the pretty much one of the worst teams in the league right now. And they, they scorched them, and Georgia have played great, and it's all over. Now, as far as this Vegas game the other night, all right, maybe they weren't prepared. But what I don't understand is, and we all love Hank, and he's our king and everything, and I don't get on him too much, but I got to tell you, if Hank, you know, he, he, he screws up on the own goal there in the beginning, all right, the guy can't seem to stop a breakaway to save his life lately, shootouts and all that other stuff. He gets burned on that. And then, okay, on the power play goal, and the guy was open wide on the side, he was slow to get to the other post. If he gets there quickly, you know, I'm just saying, maybe if Hank stands on his head against Vegas like we all expect him to, they hang in in that game, and, and maybe they win that game or whatever. But I just thought uh, Hank was a little, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't his usual Hankful self, as you might say. But um, this is just part of it, I guess, what we're talking about here. You know, this this rebuild. I guess, see, you've changed me, KD. I'm not getting worked up anymore. <laughs> What's yeah, you? I mean, no, I, I'm not worked up, and I'm not, like, suddenly down on the team, and I won't Quinn fight or anything. And, and to be honest, I think with the power play, I think that's easily fixable. And Quinn has already started that. I mean, Zabinijak came back from injury, I think. Quinn wanted to get him back sort of in that left circle and that sort of shooting alley spot where, where he could so, sort of one-time it. You know, but Panarin had looked so good there while Zabinijad was out with Kako on the other side and feeding it through the, the middle of the ice, and, and they had a lot going on. You know, Quinn just – I don't know if he just wanted to get Zabinijad back in his spot, sort of like you don't lose your position due to injury. Buddy, buddy Quinn can't make them shoot. They're not shooting. But – I, I think when you had the power play working as well as you did, and it was set up real nice, and he, he suddenly ha- you have all right-handed players out there. You have Panarin, who is now you know working pucks out of the corner and, and fishing pucks that are being missed by Zabinijad now. I, I think it just threw off the balance. Again, I'm fine with it because Quinn has already made the, the change now. He put Kako back on the first power play today in practice, pulled Strom off. You know, uh, Panarin will probably be back on the left side. You put Zabenejad in, in the slot where he could take a feed in the middle and fire it from there. So, you know, all it, it's all good. I mean, it, it look, it, it let him down this week. Quinn is making the proper adjustments, and, and I'm fine with it. You know, and as far as me being concerned with sort of the, you know, the killer instinct, I think that's just a learning lesson with, with a young group. They're still learning how to win. So I, I, I hope that they'll learn from – that mistake, learning not to take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them. So, you know, while I am sort of, you know, down at the moment, I'm not down overall and, and, and looking for, uh, again, you know, Quinn to be fired and, and people to be demoted and that kind of thing. I just, I just felt as though, and maybe it's just me like expect suddenly starting to expect more from this team because, you know, suddenly you're looking at the standings they are only a couple of points out of a playoff spot. You're like, Oh, this is a winnable game. You know, you have the Bruins or, you know, one of these top teams, like you said, you know, or the top team on the ropes and you just got to take advantage of it. So, you know, maybe it's me getting a little sort of selfish here, you know, with this team looking for more, <laughs> looking for more points. It's sort of the fan in me, you know, I'm just like, Oh, you know, we got to get this win. But, you know, I do have to sometimes, you know, realize that it is still the rebuilding year. We got to look ahead. And uh, again, there's going to be a lot of learning lessons and up and downs, as we say every week. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the whole thing, buddy. And you can't be selfish around the holidays, Kevin, okay? So stop being <laughs> selfish here. Hey, you know, it's My funny. Bad. Look, you know, you're you're caught in the mix of it. Um, you know, like I was saying, too, we, 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 the last couple of episodes in terms of the ups and downs with the team and everything. And I, I always said, I've been saying it since pretty much the beginning, if they win two, lose two, whatever, that I expect that, that if they can kind of hang in there and do that, and and like I said, they're 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 getting points. They're staying in the mix. They're not really, you know. There's a lot of teams that are playing as equally bad as the Rangers. You might say when the Rangers play bad. I mean, there's some other teams who are supposed to be a lot better and a lot higher in the standings right now that are, you know, pretty much uh, even keel with the way the Rangers are playing. So I'll take these last couple of games and you know, as far as where they are right now and seeing the bounce back. And we're talking about, like I said, Quinn making the adjustments. So as long as we see the guy working 
And we discussed this, like, how, how is the team going to react when Zibanejad comes back, all right? So they're going through that right now. The power play is just, yes, it's incredibly frustrating. But most of the power plays in the league for any team is pretty much underrated. You could probably go up and down and get your stats boys out and stuff, and a lot of other teams are struggling. Uh, most of the game right now is played on five and fives, and obviously special teams as far as penalty killing. The Rangers, you know, have been doing all right with that pretty much. It's, it's ups and downs, and, and this is the rebuild. So, you know, I'm strapped in like we talk about it. And I'm feeling good about the team. I mean, I'm watching a game, you know, watching the Boston game. And yeah, you're getting frustrated and everything. But there was just something about the fact that they were just kind of hanging in there. They had their chances. It didn't happen. I mean, Halak's playing a net. You know, you're, you're, you're not playing Rask. Or you figure maybe you get that chance there. But like I said, they get out of that building. Best team in the league with a point. They readjusted. They had a great game against New Jersey. Uh and I, I'm with you on, on Vegas. I, I would have expected some much more of that. But I think that's just all of us now, generally, KD, especially after seeing a win like that against New Jersey. You're thinking at home, you know, they're going to they're gonna beat Vegas. But like I said, I just, for me, the things that pointed out for me was the fact that Hank, if he had been there for them, and I'm not burying Hank because he's there for them all the time, but that was just one of those key games the other night where, I thought Hank was susceptible where he, if he had kept them in the game a little bit, maybe they get a little closer. And they did have some better moments throughout the game. I don't think uh, Vegas didn't crush them in any way as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I will say this. If there is a negative point about it, yes. This thing about coming home and coming off a win and just looking like a different team. And we joke about that on Twitter, you know, as well. Which squad is going to show up tonight? But look, this is it, man. And, and look what's going to go on tomorrow night against CBJ. Columbus is kind of struggling a little bit. Panarin's coming back. going to be a lot, of emo- a lot of emotions going on tomorrow night. And that's going to be a tough game. You know, torch teams are always tough. So tomorrow's another great test for them, buddy. Yeah, you know, actually, you know, in talking about Lundqvist in that Vegas game, I was actually surprised they didn't go to good Georgiev again, because he's coming off the shutout in, in New Jersey. You know, you sort of want to ride the hot hand there and, and maybe play him another game. And I wonder, you know, I don't know if you saw the article by, by Larry Brooks, and they're saying he's coming up to, you know, if Georgiev plays five more games, he's, he's going to lose his sort of waiver-exempt status, where if the Rangers want to send him down to Hartford, he's got to pass through waivers. And, and obviously they'd never do that because he would absolutely be claimed. So... You know, I wonder if, you know, just sort of answering my own question, um, you know, if they maybe held him back a game because they don't want to use up those games and, and make him sort of waiver eligible um, and, and not use him. Because I was surprised not to see him back out there because he had a great game against the Devils. And, uh, you know, it seems like Quinn wants to ride the hot hand goaltending wise um, this year. And, and, you know, you want to get Georgiev, uh, you know, uh, some some more experience and, and some more games in there to see if. You know, he is a, a guy you want to keep or even showcase him for a trade. You know, there's a number of teams stop that are, are saying, definitely. Stop saying, stop trading my Georgie boy, man. Look, you, at, at some point you got you got to take a look around and say, you know, what what is the best best move with, with some of our assets here or some of the, the players that we have and, and turning Georgiev into a, a, a draft pick or a, or a young defenseman or, you know, Young forward is maybe maybe better for this team long term. So you got to look. You're going to see a lot of you're going to see some some players uh, sort of depart this year that that we all like, uh, but it's part of the business. And and uh, but again, you know, I was surprised not to see him in there. And like you said, Hank did struggle. But having said that, he did come off of one of the best games I've seen him play. You know, I went to the game against Carolina. I mean, that was all Hank. I mean, that game was he was unbelievable in that game. But duly noted. Um, yeah. So, but um, it, it was uh, it was a little puzzling to me that that he didn't get the back to back starts there. Well, KD, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, I didn't get to read the article, but, but how does that work? So, what's the time frame on that? With the the five 60 game? games, sixty games. Once George have hit sixty games, he's not going to be uh, waiver eligible. So 60, that means sixty games this season, or is this sixty games no, combined to career, last year? Career. Oh, career. Yeah. And so it's sixtieth career game. Um, which is uh, apparently in five more games for him, um, he will not be waiver eligible. Meaning that if the Rangers want to send him down, um, he's got to pass through waivers. Um, so any, uh, you know, so basically you're allowing other teams to claim him, and you know a team like Toronto would snatch him up in a second. So what so, happens? What happens if he he gets the sixty games? The Rangers don't 
waive him, obviously. Now, then he can't be sent down to the yeah, AHL. Exactly. He's got to, he has to pass through waivers to be sent down to the AHL. Even after the 60 games? That's when it starts. Well, that's when it starts. Right, right now, he doesn't have to pass through waivers to be sent down. Gotcha. Now, so, again, we're just hypothetical here. And, I mean, how do you do that? Would, could the Rangers, like, send him and swap him with your uh, your pal? Say his name, KD. You always say it so well. Chess York. <laughs> Chesty. Would, could they, would they, could they send Georgie down and bring him up and then just kind of pause for a while? Is there any sense in doing sure. that? Or? I mean, they, they could. I mean, if they just wanted to bring him up for a game or two, you know, they, they have the ability to send Georgie Boy down without having to clear waivers, um, and, and maybe they want to do that. But once Georgia plays those five more games, you know, you can't send him down anymore. Can, now, you, look, send, you, could, can you send Hank you, down? <laughs> <laughs> can send him to another team. Um, but, you know, look, you can always put one of them in the press box and call Chess York enough. I mean, that, you could do that. I mean, that's oh, okay. fine. All but right. I don't think you want to waste – you know, Georgiev in the press box either. You want to make sure he's playing. Well, so. if, but, but if that's your option, obviously, because we have to assume here he's going to do his 60 games, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, At some point he's going to hit it, yes. Yeah, so, th- I mean, from what we're uh, understanding here as fans and, and guys following the team, that this is the, the combo here is Hank and Georgie. So, uh, you know, for the so if he hits the 60 games and – I guess I don't think he's going to have a problem. Anybody else going to have a problem putting him up in the in the in the rafters for you know whatever you know a game or two? It, like I, I'm just, it's an interesting scenario. I'm sorry I didn't read the article, but uh, and I'm glad you brought this up tonight because it, it's that's that's really a, a tricky situation, I guess. To, and another, to be actually, in. and another thing in the article that Brooks brought up is that Shestjorkin has an out clause in his contract, the same one that Kraftsoff has, where he can go back to Russia as well. And he so. Did. Yes. Oh, so man. you you wonder, you know, he right now he leads the AHL in goals against average. He's like fourth or fifth in save percentage. So you know he's sort of getting itchy down there where he wants wants a call up. So you know I think the Rangers are going to find themselves in in maybe a tough situation unless they unless they've talked to Shestorkin and and worked it out and said, look, you're just going to spend the year down there, you know, to to work, you know, figure out the North American game, the smaller rink, and this and that. Um, and then next year you're going to be up. You know, we want you to get hopefully some playoff experience down the AHL um, and, and, and go from there. Um, but if they don't, if they don't have that type of sort of, you know, handshake agreement, you know, at some point, you know, I think Chess Jorkin is going to want to get a call up with how well he's playing. Hmm. This is intriguing stuff, man. But you have to imagine J.D. and Gordon, they have this all planned out. I mean, they, they're, they're, there's no way they're going into a season here without plan A, plan B, and plan C uh, with all these different variables, especially as far as goaltending is concerned. You can kind of live with a guy, Kratzoff, taking off because you've got, you know, how many other forwards that, are, you know, uh, that, that you can rotate in or out. But goaltending-wise, this is a bigger deal. Um, obviously, does anything change if, let's say, Georgie gets hurt, for argument's sake, or Hank gets hurt? Does any of that waiver stuff change as far or doesn't matter? 60 games, 60 games, no matter what the situation is. Um, the, I mean, just I'm just thinking of different scenarios right now because the only other thing you're looking at, KD, is, you know, if you're talking about trade or whatever, it, not after what, you know, uh, 26 games here, not until the new year is any of that stuff g- going to be even starting to be considered, I, I would say, because the kid's just too damn good. And, you know, Hank's putting on, you know, more miles, you know, every week as that goes. And, man, it's, it, that's also, uh, you know, just thinking about this whole scenario right now, outside of everything else that's going on, the rebuild, the, the, you know, uh, the power play struggling, just uh, getting these guys, uh, you know, acquainted with each other and, and getting the stretch going and, uh, you know, the young guys and everything else and Zabanejak coming back, all this other stuff. This goaltending thing that you're bringing up here tonight, uh, and, again, I apologize for not being on it, man, That it's – it's something else because of the talent that you have between the three guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's our mantra around here? Good problem to have. Um, yes, yes. There you go. But, but also, you know, and, and obviously I've, I've discussed, you know, trading uh, Georgiev, and, and I've also mentioned the possibility of trading Lundqvist as well. You know, after watching that Carolina game, 
and just, you know, his 40-plus save effort where he was given, like, literally no help, standing on his head the whole game. You know, I, I just wonder if, if trading him would just be a terrible idea where you have these two youngsters in front of this defense that has just completely been struggling all year and what that could potentially do to these young goaltenders' confidences if they can't hold up under that kind of pressure where, you know, they're facing, you know, 35 to 40 shots and, and it's breakaways and one-timers and, and point-blank shots, you know, and, and they're not up to the task, you know, this early in their careers, you know, what does that do to their confidence where, you know, keeping Lundqvist around, who obviously still has the ability to steal games and to stop a potential losing streak or, or you know, mask a lot of the problems that, you know, this defense has, you know, it makes more sense to, to keep him around, you know. I still think of, of the options, Georgiev being traded is probably the most likely. Um, but like you said, that won't be till trade deadline time. Um, but yeah, in, in the middle of it, you know, uh, yeah, you got to try to keep, make sure you're keeping Shesh York and happy down there. Yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely a, you know, a, and Brooks's article sort of brought it to the forefront the other day. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, and. Is is there a, is there a fourth guy? <laughs> who's the actually, back, who's the backup the down other, in the I NHL? Think the other guy down in Hartford, Husker. He's actually real, a real good goaltender as well. So, <laughs> you know, it was only like you know whatever it was five or six years ago. We were saying the goaltending prospects. It was barren. It was Lundqvist and no one. Yeah. Um. And and now you have all these prospects. It's like uh, you know uh, riches. So it's it, it's great. Well, you got to figure. Look, Hank's, Hank doesn't want to go anywhere, so you have to figure that's just, uh, you know. And, and again, that's probably not going to happen until New Year into the spring, depending on where the team's at right now. And I guess Quinn is probably. I had actually said at the beginning of the year, KD, that I, I would have preferred him just running Hank as much as possible, play one guy, and and get the run of it. And I think Quinn's been doing that. And I think, like I said, you have to respect the fact that he is older. And yes, he stood on his head there against Carolina. Uh, pretty decent game against Boston, obviously. Gets the break against the Devils, and then I mean, uh, uh, the Devils, yes, and then uh, and then has the struggles against VGK, and then we'll see. What, you know, it's Georgia. Georgia starting tomorrow night, right? Yes, I think so, so. Yeah, no, I think that's what I heard too. So it's, I mean, it's swinging back and forth. So I mean, look, this is, I guess, is you know, grab your popcorn, everybody. And just watch this and, and see what happens. But, uh, I guess you know, not to dwell on it too much, but uh, it's going to be definitely – it's a great topic to talk about and, and definitely to watch and see what goes on. And like I said, with uh, his 60th game coming up, and, and you want these guys to stay healthy. So uh, we'll see. It, glad it's not our problem, KD. We're not up in the booth there. <laughs> we don't have to worry about it. The thing I'm looking forward to is maybe down the road is Keandre Miller coming from Wisconsin, baby. <laughs> Let's see him back there helping Trube out. What do you say? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll take anyone coming, but especially him. I mean, he looks amazing. I mean, that's the one good thing about you know being concerned, you know, with with the defense that that is currently out there and the problems that they're having, and and a lot of it I think is is due to the youth. I mean, you have you know obviously you have Stoll who's going to be coming back and and some struggles, but um, you know the the coffers for our defensemen are amazing with with Miller. And you have Keane down there, and Rykoff just just came, got off the IR, so he's going down to Hartford now. So another young guy. So uh, you have Lundqvist, not Henrik Lundqvist, the defensive mm-hmm. prospect, uh, Lundqvist. So you know it's it's amazing the amount of defensive prospects that they have. Hopefully, you know the defensive system that the Rangers are using right now isn't going to completely screw them all up um, <laughs> the way it seems to be doing. You know our current crop of defensemen, but. Yeah, I mean, um, the amount of, of defensive prospects we, we have to go along with our goaltending prospects. You know, I think I think the one area where, where we really need to start building up a little bit more is probably at forward. That's probably where we are the weakest in our system, um, prospect system. So, um, but yeah, I mean, defensively, yeah, some of these guys, I, I can't wait to see them in a couple of years. It's it's. This team, again, this is why I'm so excited for the future, you know, of this organization. When you start looking at, you know, the names, you know, of, of the prospects that we have that are going to be coming up here, it, it's it's amazing. Yeah, no, it all looks good. And, and uh, you know, before we – I want to jump I want to jump into the, the defense a little bit. But before we do that, we're just talking about, obviously, uh, Georgiev's situation um, and as far as Hank and trade and all that spectrum. Uh, Stahl's coming back. 
Uh, we got to figure out where we're going to put him back in the lineup. And Brooksy also talked about um, trading Buchnevich. So uh, I just want to get your take on that. Stall coming back. I guess hang hang on to Stall for a second when we move into defensive core here a little bit. But um, what's what what's uh, I, again? I didn't get to read Brooksy's article on Buchnevich, but uh, what's your take on on what he was talking about with uh, him possibly being traded? Well, yeah, I mean, he was just floating the idea of, of trading Buchnevich for Anderson over in Columbus, who is more of like a grinder. So I guess the premise that Brooks w- was making is the Rangers need to sort of diversify their lineup where they need some more, you know, more of a grinding presence in, in there. I mean, the trade, that trade for those two is, is beyond ridiculous. I mean, Buchnevich is on his way to a potential 60-point season. You know, Anderson, for, uh, who's on Columbus, he has three points this season. Three. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get, the, like, the thought process of, of, you know, you don't want, like, 12 Buchneviches, like, at forward. Like, I understand that premise. But, like, the trade, the, you know, Buchnevich for, you know, this guy who has three points, um, you know, doesn't seem like a, a fair one-to-one trade. You know, you finally have Buchnevich, who seems like he's figuring it out this year. And and look, he has lapses out there, and and you could question his effort from time to time. But the skill level is there. I mean, that that's what this rebuild is about. It's not about getting rid of a guy who has you know that amount of talent and skill, and getting rid of him to bring in like a grinder with three points. You know, that's maybe the type of guy you bring in at the trade deadline when your team is is going to be a cup contender, you know, that you're going to put on the third and fourth line that you need for those tough minutes come playoff time. But, you know, to make that trade now, I mean, that it's beyond ridiculous. I'm not really sure where Brooks was going with it. Um, but, you know, that that's that's I, I assume was what Brooks was thinking there. Just you know, he doesn't want 12 Buchnevichs out there but you know if you look at the lineup now i mean you have lemieux you have smith you have mckeg yeah you, you know you have haley I mean, you have guys who who play of Kreider. i mean those guys are, are you know playing tougher tougher minutes out there yeah you have you have your skill guys out there in Heedle and panarin and zabinishad and buchnevich but i i i think that the roster is is pretty diverse it is howden's a you know a guy who who plays you know tougher minutes you know he's not you know a pure skill guy um, so yeah, that, that sort of trade scenario, just sort of came out of nowhere and doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Maybe it ran out of some material for a slap shots column. I don't know. <laughs> he needed his clickbait. I think it was just clickbait, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bucci's all right with me. And, uh, you know, I, I want to issue some, you've uh, 26 games here and, and, and the fans, if you listen out there, uh, live and, and, uh, obviously in the archives when they come up, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Does anybody, has anybody seen a customized uh, like Quinn's game plan here or a style of play or a system. I guess that that's the one I'm looking for. Are you recognizing a particular system that Quinn is running here? Or do you think it's just a matter of this is his lineup? This is his second year. We know um, uh, the uh, deficiency with Lindy Ruff. We've discussed it uh, uh, over and above uh, uh, as far as uh, the back end of the squad here, but I'm sitting here, and I don't know if I'm really seeing a signature style of a system that's being presented to us on a game-in, game-out basis. It seems to be, and it's been obvious, like the Montreal game, you know, then they beat the Devils, and then they struggle against uh, Vegas and some of the other games. Do you see anything particularly that stands out as far as what kind of a system Quinn is running here? Well, I think defensively their system is – and is to uh, give up the blue line when the other team is, is coming in the zone. You know, I don't know if it's that's to um, not get beat, not to be too aggressive, to play a little passive. But the problem is, is that you're allowing the, the opponent to come in the zone full speed. So, so now you're chasing. And uh, I think it, it really sort of discombobulates, you know, the defense there um, and, and gets guys out of position um, and they're chasing and and I'm not really sure. And they're not very aggressive defensively. So, you know, system-wise, you know, defensively, for some reason, it seems as though there's a lot of backing off and not a lot of pressure on the puck. Um, you know, is that by design? I don't know. It, it seems like it's been going on for a couple of years now. So 
Um, that's that's a concern. I mean, you'd like to see a little bit more of the defenseman sort of stepping up at the blue line. You're just really never seeing that. You're 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 almost allowing them to carry the puck in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, you know, with full speed, and that causes all types of problems defensively. Um, you know, obviously offensively, it's it's you know the team is looking to to utilize its skill level, get out and skate. Um, you know. It, it, you're going to have, you know, these guys skating the puck in the zone, um, you know, from time to time. Obviously, you, you're going to look to dump it in. You know, I, I think Quinn likes his team to dump it in more than the past. If you, if you heard some of his comments, you know, regarding Kako, um, that he holds on to the puck too long. You know, it, it's, it's not, you know, keeping that puck on your stick for a long, uh, long time. It's, it's getting, it, getting it out, getting it to a teammate, getting it deep you know, work in the corners, that kind of thing. So, you know, is that a system? Yeah, I don't know. But um, just based on, on things that Quinn has said and, and just watching the team, you know, that's that's really what I see. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the lines have been juggled up front, you know, back and forth, and obviously with Mika being out and then, uh, you know, guys getting hot and cold. Defensively, you know, this is why I want to talk about the defense here a little bit. You know, um, D'Angelo and, and Shea the last couple of games showing some really good – I mean, we know Foxy can – can do the offensive magic up there, and uh, but it was nice to see D'Angelo and, and Brady, you know, getting some opportunities, and scoring two beautiful goals there in the last couple of games as well, too. So I'd have to say that they've definitely been told to, you know, open up and and show off your skills a little bit. I like that a little bit, and, and you know, at least we're getting to see these guys, you know, shoot the puck and uh, defensively. I think the guys up front are are hanging on to their sticks too tightly. Uh, and as great as Panarin is, man, he's just uh, a couple opportunities here there that he, he really could have opened up and buried the puck a little bit. So I think defensively, as far as that system is concerned, um, they're definitely getting the green light to go have some fun. There's definitely, um, you know, like I said on, on the return side of things, you know, with all these different partners that they're playing with. And, and you know, we've talked about it in nauseum, too, you know, in terms of Truba coming in here, different system, young guys, experience, not experience, and still finding their way. And. And then that gets back into who's behind them in nets. You got two good guys there, and, and different systems. You know, when you when you see them play a, a, a great team like Boston the other night, and they're down a couple of guys playing the second string goaltender. Um, you just kind of knew though that Boston just. I mean, obviously those guys have been playing together now for a few years. They're tight. They know each other. Uh, they know when to turn it on and turn it off. And and you could see the. You know the disparity between the ranges as far as hanging on for that point. You kind of just knew. One way or the other, Boston was going to come back, and they have a certain kind of style. And you know, Bergeron and and the rest of that crew there, they just have a way to kind of turn things on. And McAvoy and everything else, the pressure, and you got Trower back there. And it's it's you, you know, for me, you can see the kind of system that Boston kind of runs and what to expect. And I just think maybe you know, uh, it's just kind of maybe just obvious yet that it's not there. At least I'm not seeing it yet, KD. Um, so I just wanted to get your take on that. And yeah, lo- I mean, love to hear the fans talk about it too. Yeah, I mean, defensively, uh, also, I think Trouba has been like an animal lately, uh, especially offensively. You know, you're talking about, uh, you know, the offense coming from our, our back line. You know, he has seven points in the last seven games, uh, you know, two goals, five assists. He's been reunited with Shea, and it, and it, seems, to spark, it seems to have sparked him um, a little bit. You know, he was carrying around Hayek a bit, um, and now that he's sort of been able to you know, step up a little bit. He's, you know, a la- you know, he feels a little more comfortable with Shea, his buddy that he, you know, he's known for a long time, probably feels real comfortable with him. Um, and, and we're really seeing, I, I think the best he's played, you know, since he's been with the team, um, Truba. So I, I've been excited to see him play. I think that, that Quinn also allows his defensemen to get deep in the play. You saw in the Carolina game, you know, Fox had a tip in goal, you know, so, and, and you do, and you see him deep a lot. Um, Fox. So I, I like that, you know, he does allow them uh, sort of the freedom to, to go down there and take a chance. So, you know, that that's real nice. And, and yeah, you know, Stahl is coming back now. Um, today at practice, he was with um, D'Angelo, which, you know, they had success together last year. I, you know, I, I think I, what I would like to see, to be honest, uh, Truba and Shea have been, have been good together. And like I said, I, I'd like to see them stay together as well because just because of how well Truba has been playing I, I would hate to break that up but I think what what may help you know the defense in, in the long run is is breaking up Fox and Lindgren and they've been great 
But I think to help the rest of the lineup, I mean, I, I, I think that may be the way to go by putting Stahl with Fox and then D'Angelo with Lingren. I think Lingren gives D'Angelo a little bit of a safety net behind him. Uh, who's a, you know he's a little bit more defensive, uh, allow D'Angelo to roam a little bit more, and then Fox is the Fox. He's been arguably the best defenseman. So you know to to help Stall, who, who you know has his own issues defensively. I think that that may be a good six to have. Obviously Hayek, you know he'll go in the press box, and maybe you could switch him and him in and out with Stall uh, because you know Hayek looks like he does need a little bit of. Uh, uh, he may need to sit and watch a little bit, or look, he may need to get down to the AHL, you know, to, to get some more time to work on some things because he's struggled at times. Um, so I think defensively, you know, it, it, it's been a mess, but I, I think a way to help that out may be to split up Lingren and, and Fox. Yeah, I agree with you. It's good stuff. I mean, you got to work with what you got back there, and the fact that, you know, Stahl. You know, he was benched there, and then uh, obviously the injury. It'll be very interesting to see how he comes back, uh, not only physically but mentally too, because you have to figure in the back of his mind as well. Uh, you know, he's got to play through you know the uh, after effects of this injury, and he's got to play well because Quinn's obviously I, – I credit Quinn for getting that done very early in the season because you know Coach Q now, he can, he can yank Stall out whenever he wants because the awkwardness is over. It's done. So I think uh, in that aspect, um, you know, hopefully for the long run for the team, if Stolze, you know, steps up and, and he finds his game again and maybe he needed to go through that, uh, it's going to be better for, for, uh, for, you know, obviously the rest of the team. And uh, again, KD, as we say here, a good problem to have. <laughs> Love that saying. Get, get no that doubt. hashtag trending. <laughs> Once again, everybody listening to Go Rangers Radio. Uh, we're live on Spreaker here every week and obviously in the archives, iTunes and Spotify. And a big thanks to everybody who's, uh, who's helped us get into the, uh, the charts here, uh, U.S. podcast for Apple. And, and we're doing great in Spotify, too. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and supporting the program. Me and Katie are having a lot of fun doing this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a few more things to talk about uh, Just uh, and, and a look ahead, obviously, too. Some, uh, some cool games coming up for the Rangers. But keep it right here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Go Rangers Radio right here on the Go Hockey Media Network. We'll be right back. If you bleed red, white, and Rangers blue, hail the king, follow the bread man, and know how to spell Capocaco. Then tune in to Go Rangers Radio. Join your hosts, Kevin DeLury and Paul Cuthbert, every week for their take on the New York Rangers. Live and archive shows are available at GoRangersRadio.com. If you're social, follow at GoRangersRadio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go Rangers Radio, where the New York Rangers are always the talk of the town. Got any questions for Polly and Kevin? Tag us at Go Rangers Radio on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And now, slower than a Ron Duguay forecheck, faster than a John Agrodnick line change, and unable to guarantee anything like Mark Messier. Here's DeLury and Cuthbert. <laughs> yeah, baby, welcome back. You okay there, Kev? <laughs> oh, you caught me choking? Yeah. Get yourself a My Kleenex, bad. buddy. It's all right, man. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Go Rangers Radio right here. Live from New York, baby. Every week, me and Katie are actually going to try and start trying to squeeze in some extra episodes during the week here. Uh, maybe some quick casts. We'll, we'll call them that uh, in between the Wednesday night uh, hoopla that we do here uh, every week. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, KD, uh, before we uh, – I know we got a couple more Ranger topics we're going to talk about, but, you know – as far as the league's going these days, the, the, the hot topic that's been out there is, um, uh, you know, the, you know, the coaching, uh, some, some, obviously, you know, Babcock got fired there. We touched on it there a couple of, I can't remember, was it last episode or two episodes ago? And I was telling you about, um, my Commodore going off on him on Twitter. And since then, it's just opened up this Pandora's box, uh, not only about uh, Babcock, but now, uh, and even Ken Hitchcock, I believe, said this. And I couldn't believe he said they're coming after all of us now or something like that. Uh, Bill Peters gets fired. Uh, obviously, racism, and, and uh, that's always a difficult topic. It's a, it's a horrible uh, thing in, in, in this life, in this world. Uh, you hate to see it anywhere. 
Uh, it's, it's definitely had its uh, reared its ugly head here in, in the National Hockey League. Uh, Don Cherry there got let go there a couple of weeks ago by uh, something he said on air on Hockey Night in Canada, which is pretty uh, an epic change for a guy who's been there, uh, you know, for years. And just seeing stepping back here, I'm going to just me personally, KD, and you know, everybody kind of everybody has their own experiences. It's just it's awful stuff, no matter how how it happens. Racism one way, whether it's in the work, uh, on the streets. Uh, on TV, wherever it is, uh, in sports. It's just un- an unfortunate part of society. It's just it's interesting to see the way, uh, and we'll stick with the league here, how they deal with it. And it's not only, I don't want to swell too much on the racism stuff because the other thing I want to talk about is is kind of turn on the, uh, the the Babcock thing and the tough coaches. And the New York Rangers have had some tough coaches uh, in their organization. Uh, Mike Keenan stands out as one, obviously, and obviously John Torch, who they're going to see tomorrow night, uh, always a very tough guy to, uh, uh, to – he always came across as a tough guy. We can go back to Michelle Bergeron uh, with the Rangers and, and go back. And then, you know, you go back into the 70s and the 60s, you know, God only knows what was going on as far as, you know, because those are just tough things to play hockey. But uh, interesting, Katie, to, to, to see your take on this. And um, I know uh, I think um, – you know, I, you sent me a thing uh, about, um, oh, my God, just take it away. You sent me that column about Torts. I can't even remember the guy's name. Stepan <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and who else? Uh, Dubinsky, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I am definitely more being a 43-year-old. You know, I'm, I, I'm definitely more old school where we were brought up in that sort of, you know, tough, dealing with sort of tough coaches, angry, yelling type type coaches. You know, and, and I still do like that, so I, which is why I'm, I've always been a fan of Torts. He's one of my favorite all-time Ranger coaches because I think a team needs that that sort of in-your-face type of coach, not letting, you know, players get away with sort of, you know, loafing a bit and, and you know, again, the start in the Vegas game. I, I, I wouldn't mind to see, you know, Quinn call a timeout and just lose it on, on the team that, you know, that type of, of start um, isn't acceptable. However, you know, there is a line. I mean, if, if you read that article today on Tortorella, you know, Stepan brought up, yeah, he was hard on us, but I, I, he never crossed that line. He was always fair with us. He didn't play mind games with us. You know, I feel like sometimes these coaches, you know, they get on these sort of power trips with, with, these, with the players where I'm the boss. It's, you know, it's my way or the highway. And, you know, that's fine. But, you know, when it, when it comes to the point of, you know, racist comments or – you know, ganging up on, on a guy and, and really sort of making them, them the outcast. You wonder what, you know, what these guys are thinking, you know, the idea of being a coach is to, is to sort of get the best out of, out of your players. And you, you wonder how you think, you know, uh, yelling, uh, you know, something racist at somebody or, or, or physically, you know, hitting somebody is, is going to sort of, you know, motivate them. Look, I, I've no problem with a coach, you know, yelling at the team or, or, you know, making them do a bag skate or, you know, a bunch of Herbies um, and, 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 you know, as punishment for a, for a bad game. But he also has to realize what type of players he's dealing with. Not every player deals with that type of um, criticism, that type of motivation, whatever you want to call it, the same way. I mean, he has to know which players, after maybe going off on the team and throwing a chair and telling everyone that they suck, you know, which players he needs to go up to you know, the next day and put his arm around and say, look, you know, I got a little angry last night, but you have to understand, you know, you're not playing the right way or we need this from you. We need that from you, you know, for, for, you know, some of these coaches to really, you know, verbally abuse these guys and, and, and put them to the point of where they, they hated going to the rink the, uh, the next day. I mean, you know, I'm glad to see, you know, these guys it now coming sort of to the forefront. Um, and, and these guys getting out of hockey because it's not it's not necessary. It's not needed. And, and even worse, I mean, you see a guy like Dan Carcillo is now sort of exposing all these, you know, junior hockey coaches, whether they were, you know, sexually abusing, you know, these these kids or, again, verbally abusing them. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Again, these guys get this sort of power. You know, all this stuff is about power, having power over these kids or these players. So. You know, it's a real unfortunate incident. It's a real sort of black eye for the league. You know, my 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 concern is this, is that I don't think every coach was doing that. And you don't want the league to sort of overcorrect it, you know, where coaches aren't allowed to, again, you know, yell at a team or, or 
um, you know, punish them with a, with a bunch of, you know, Herbies and that kind of thing. You know, I played lacrosse. I don't know if I mentioned, I played division one lacrosse. We were a top 10, top 15 team, you know, scholarships and you know, look, coaches jobs were on the line. And we had a, a, I had a tough disciplinarian type coach, you know, he got on us. He ran us into the ground when we had a, t- a tough practice or, you know, we weren't doing the right things in a game. But again, there was always that line and he never crossed it, you know, and, and, and I think that that kind of coaching really helped us and motivated us where, where, you know, we were like, you know, we, we need to get this done, you know, or else we're going to run, you know, sometimes it is the threat of, of that kind of thing, which sort of motivates you. But, you know, you were, we were never afraid of him. We always knew he would have a conversation with us one-on-one afterwards. So, you know, again, you know, I don't want to see that kind of thing taken out of sports in general, whether it's hockey or, or anything else. But, you know, when you do have these bad actors in there, you know, you know, you hope now with with all the different things that are out there, the sort of Me Too movements and all that, it, it'll it'll give some of these guys, you know, the, the ability to come out there where they won't be afraid to say something because they'll get, you know, blackballed or that kind of thing, which which does happen. I mean, that stuff is real. So, you know, and get these type of guys out of there who are, you know, uh, physically abusing these players, mentally abusing these guys, where they're really sort of taking advantage of them and making them out. I mean, the guys just want to play hockey, you know, and, and to make it like a terrible experience for some of these guys is, is really, really a terrible thing to see. Again, I, I you know, it's a, it's a fine line there. Like I said, you don't want to overcorrect it, um, but I'm happy to see some of these guys who, who sound like terrible people um, <laughs> getting out of the game. Yeah, I mean, look, the terrible people got to go. There's no doubt about it. I have no problem with the hard coach. Look, some of my favorite coaches when I was younger, I loved the guys that were hard and tough. As long as I said, you know, you don't cross a line or whatever. But the screaming, the yelling, the shouting, if it got you going, if uh, it, it works for some, it doesn't work for everybody. Um, you know, if you're a coach in professional sports today, too, I mean, these guys are making so much money, man. Uh, that that just can be so difficult as well. I mean, imagine you you're on the ice and you got a, a kid like Kako, and then you got you know Panarin and Truba. These guys are making gazillions of dollars, and then you you know you have that that just that gap in between, and you got to coach them all. You know, as kids and as grown men, and uh, whether it's soccer, whether it's football, and everything else, it's I think it's affecting a lot of stuff. Look, bad is bad. Uh, you know, from the top on da- on down, whatever happens in the locker rooms and the training staffs and, and the bookkeepers and all that other stuff. I mean, it, it's for the most part, it's managed on a daily basis. But uh, a lot of these stories stories are coming out right now. And like I said, if you get the bad people, get them out. It, there's no there's no room for it in the game. But I agree with you, too. And I, I'm sure most of the players, like I said, they can handle this stuff. Uh, they've been doing it, you know, especially if you're a hockey kid, you've been hockey, just playing on the, I, you cannot be a tough, you have to be tough to play this game. You have to be tough physically just to take the physical abuse out there, the skating, the training, the skill, the checking, the chirping. If you got a thin skin, you can't play hockey. You know, you got to be able to control your emotions. I mean, it's such a full package. And most of the guys behind the bench, for the most part, have been former players at some level or the other, uh, whether they were NHLers or they were, play, you know, they played down in um, juniors or you know AHL, whatever the heck it was, European players. So it's all part of it. We're even the fans. It's just an animal instinct for every sport, and it kind of rolls over. But like I said, you know, if you're at a game and you get drunk and you punch somebody in the face, you got to go to jail. <laughs> you know. So, well, yeah, uh, I mean, and, and you're right. I don't know if you heard. Uh... Sean Avery's comment talking about Crawford. He said the Crawford kicked him on the bench once after he took where there was he a stupid penalty. Well, that's what Avery said. He said, you know what? And I deserved it. So, you know, I mean, you do have those guys who have a little bit of that sort of mentality. And Stepan in, in his interview talking about Torch said, you know, he had he had kicked them maybe once and he had slapped them on the back, but it was more of sort of a celebratory, you know, he's he's saying how hard he hit him on the back. He said he almost lost his breath, but he's like, that's torts. And he was excited. And, you know, that's what we loved about him. I, you know, I think you can get away with that kind of thing again. You know, if you're communicating with your players, I mean, if you're if the point to it isn't just to sort of demean somebody, it's to motivate them and, and to know what motivates these players after you yell them again to make sure, you know, you are putting your arm around that guy who may need that, uh, who needs a little bit of, a, of an extra. You know, some guys you can leave alone, you know, yelling at them or, or making them, you know, skate a little extra is enough. 
when you got to know which guys can handle it, which guys can't, um, you know, and, and do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. And just thinking of uh, you think of Mike Keenan when he came here, Iron Mike, the whole thing. You know, he had the the years in Chicago and everything, and then he comes in here. And there's an interesting story though. As tough as he was, he came in, and there's a book there. I know there's a couple of books about the '94 Rangers, but I remember one where at the end of it. There's talk that, you know, he wasn't even really coaching. Like, mess was taken over and, and, you know, the guys in the room. So there's that side of it too, right? So these guys come in with this, um, you know, this attitude and they're, uh, they have this history and they're expected to be a certain way. And then you, you read later on that, uh, you know, like I am totally, completely blown away by what's coming out about Bob, uh, Babcock. I never, ever thought. Like, it's like, and there will be books about it, I'm sure, coming out. But I, I never saw that coming. And then real quick, uh, you know, a guy like Torts, who was a tough guy, but, you know, how do you feel? I feel when he eventually was let go here, I think that the team and the guys who played for him and they showed him respect, uh, like the Binsky and Stepan have, but I think even Hank, I think he, it gets a little tiring after a while. After a while. And then AV, too. Same kind of thing. But as far as that aspect, how do you feel there at the end? Real quick, uh, just on torts. And if you have any thoughts on Keenan, definitely jump in, too, Katie. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think I agree with you 100 percent. You know, and, and Sather has said it. He, you know, every coach has a shelf life. And, you know, coaches like Tortorella, I think it, you know, it runs its course as far as, you know, that sort of angry guy. And, and they brought in AV, who is, you know, was a 180. You know, he was you know, a guy who was basically not in the locker room. He let the players sort of police themselves where torch was hands on. He was in everybody's face. Um, he let you know how you felt. He didn't have to, you know, what was the, what was the story with Babcock? He had the guy make the list of players that he thought were dogging it. Yeah. Um, you know, behind the back, which is just an awful thing. You know, it's, I don't know if it was Stefan or another former torch player said torch didn't need other people to have a list. He had his own list, you know, and, <laughs> And he and he made sure you knew you were either on it or you weren't. So I think that that's what with the players respect. They respect honesty, you know, with these coaches where, you know, look, this guy told me he was in my face and he was yelling at me. But, you know, what, he was right. He let me know he's not sort of going behind my back, you know, and talking about how, you know, I, I, I you know, I'm soft out there or I'm not playing hard enough. So, you know, it's, it's funny. The media sort of was always after towards about how he was, you know, too tough or he was too hard. But, you know, now you see that, you know, it's actually he's the guy that the players actually liked and respected. And, and I think it was maybe Dubinsky said, you know, if you look at when Torch was tough, he was actually defending us, you know, when he was at, you know, his hardest. I mean, so when, uh, you know, you look at these guys, you never know what's going on behind the closed doors. You know, these the media types up in, in um, you know, whether it's Detroit or in, in Toronto where. You know, I don't know if they saw some of that stuff going on and they kept it to themselves or what what was happening. But um, you see that a guy like Tortorella, who the media vilified um, when he was with the Rangers a lot because, you know, he wasn't you know, media uh, friendly or savvy or whatever you want to call it. Uh, meanwhile, you know, he's the nice guy. It, it, it's interesting how that sort of works out. Yeah, no doubt about it. No, I, definitely the Babcock thing was definitely protected. I've read something about even uh... – uh, you know, Detroit management, they just kind of kept it quiet. I believe the players went, they wanted them out of there, and they just, you know, they said, no way, they're sticking with them anyway. Uh, so that's how that went. Hey, look, Torts won a Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay, man. You think about the talent that was on that team, you know, and then he comes here to New York. Uh, he gets us close. Uh, what more could you ask for? He got he got the most out of uh, that he could out of the, the talent that he had. Again, it was a mixed match of uh, uh, young and talented guys. And then he goes to Vancouver, has a disastrous season there. And I got to tell you, J.D. Uh, giving him a second chance in Columbus, I didn't think that was going to happen. And look what he's done for that city, man. He's, uh, he's got them fired up and playing really well, and uh, a lot of good players playing for him too. So uh, it's all good stuff. It works good for others. And, and obviously, like I said, the horror stories with a guy like Babcock and, uh, and Peters and stuff like that, it's just uh, bad news. But I digress. So look here, K.D., um, tomorrow night, let's just look uh, real head here before we start wrapping up this episode 10. Hard to believe, buddy. Uh, Go Rangers Radio. So we got CBJ tomorrow and then Montreal on Friday. Uh, it'll be interesting to see that uh, uh, rematch. Uh, Montreal uh, doing okay here. They had a, a nice win the other night there. Um, but that should be a good matchup. And then the guys 
head out west, buddy. We're going to Vegas and L.A. and San Jose and Anaheim, and uh, that'll be a really good uh, bonding trip. I'm sure they'll do some golfing out west and stuff. But uh, a real take here, a quick take here on these next uh, six games, two locally and then heading out west, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to say what I always say. It's going to be a roller coaster. Ah. <laughs> you look. I mean, no, you look at even the California trip, and I do agree. I, I like when the team sort of gets out there. You know, it's always tough to go to the West Coast and, and win games. Um, but I think it it will be a good bonding experience, especially for a young team, getting these guys sort of together in the in the uh, hotels for, you know, a week um, is, is always a good thing for the team and, and, and getting together. I mean, you know, again, you look at you look at the trip out there, obviously Vegas and and the Sharks, the Sharks have, have come on of late. You know, they were in last place, you know, a couple of weeks ago in the West and now they're, they're back in a playoff spot. So. You know, you figure those will be the two tougher games, and, and the Kings and, and the Ducks are at the bottom of, of the division. So, you know, as has been the case with this team all year, expect the Rangers to win in Vegas and San Jose and lose in Los Angeles <laughs> and Anaheim. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, you, I, I just don't know with this team. You know, I, you like, uh, you know, you like to take care of, uh, you know, Torts and, and, and Montreal because they're division foes as far as, you know, the playoffs go, you want to take care of business in, in your own conference um, and then go out west and, and hopefully get a good feeling, uh, you know, coming back home. Hey, man, it's a, it's another, uh, uh, you know, something for us now to watch this team go through the rebuild here and, and this West Coast trip. I think uh, tomorrow night should be a lot of fun. We always the games against CBJ are always fantastic Rangers in Columbus. Man, it'd be great one of these years if we get a playoff matchup against them. It would be really a lot of fun. And uh, Montreal, again, it's going to be a blast, especially after the way we came back and beat them too. But, uh, yeah, man, West Coast hockey, it's going to be a lot of fun. And it'll be, like I said, I think that'll be the storyline, see how they play against those teams and also see how they bond before they come back. And I think uh, we got Tampa and, and Toronto uh, you know, which is uh, playing a little better themselves, too. Um, you know, still back and forth. But they have a new coach and a new outlook, too. So interesting stuff going on for the month of December here for the New York Rangers. Uh, KD, I wanted to ask you something here real quick. I mean, we're going to always try and do something new here on the show and discuss something as far as uh, just being a Ranger fan. I know you went to, um, as far as, uh, you got any Ranger traditions? I know you took uh, your son. Uh, to his first game last week, and we saw some pictures and stuff on Twitter. Looks like you guys had a blast and stuff. Uh, talk about any uh, Rangers traditions you've had, or just touch on your experience last week taking your son for the first time. Yeah, you know it was it was you know just a perfect uh, you know game for him to uh, to go to. I mean, he's a big sort of Lundqvist guy, and, and Lundqvist had you know a, a great game as we talked about before. You know, he's sitting there watching the sort of shot totals go up and up in that game and saying, like, look how many shots the Carolina has compared to what the Rangers have. I was like, I was like get used to that, buddy. But, um, you know, I, I just think, you know, after that just one game, he was completely hooked. You know, he was talking about the game for, you know, the next couple of days. And, and for me, you know, I, the reason behind that, I, I think, is just sort of like the experience of, of the Garden, of going to, you know, games at MSG going to Ranger games at MSG and sort of, you know, the little sort of uh, traditions or whatever it is that, whatever you want to call it, you know, that fans do during the game. And, and uh, you know, whether it's, you know, during the national anthem, you know, you have some of the guys and uh, Ranger fans yelling, let's go Rangers. You know, and I know not everybody sort of likes that in the middle of the national anthem, but, you know, I, I think it's part of, you know, sort of what goes on during Ranger games. You know, you obviously the goal song, you know, which my son is like in love with, you know, we got three goals in the first period and, you know, he was singing at the top of his lungs and unfortunately they didn't score after the first period, but the third period, he's like, <laughs> are we going to sing the song again? Um, so, you know, I, I just think it's things like that. Like, and, and the fan base seems to be divided and, and it's mostly the younger fan base with the sort of pot fan sucks chant, which I personally love. And I, I'm going to tell you why I even love it more after taking my son because, you know, he heard it. And, and first of all, he heard sucks. So he was excited. You know, he got the yell sucks. <laughs> you know, he's seven years old and he got the yell sucks. So he was pretty excited about that. But then he wanted to know, well, well what is this? Who are we yelling, you know, sucks at? And I'm saying, you know, it's, it's Dennis Poppin. It was an Islander. And he's like, well, why are we yelling, you know, sucks at an Islander player who doesn't even play anymore? And then I was able to sit there and sort of talk to him about, you know, a, a historic moment in, in this Ranger Islander rivalry. And, you know, it's things like that that, you know, sort of you get a bond with your son and, and you're able to talk about the history of the team, you know, and, and it, 
again, I see a lot of young, you know, Ranger fans on Twitter, like, you know, people don't even know what it means. And, you know, I get to talk to them about who Ulf Nielsen is and what he was and, and what he could have been and why this was such a big sort of incident that happened. Um, you know, and, and he gets a little Ranger sort of history um, while he's there. You get Dance and Larry, you know, who's dancing up in, in the crowd. And my son, who is that guy? You know, and, and, and it's just little sort of game day traditions like that, which make the experience that much better. That little kids, you know, boys and girls who are going to their first games, dads who are bringing their sons and daughters to these games, it makes it so much better and such a better experience. I took my son to his first Met game over the summer. He was bored. Why there did you nothing. do that? Why did you take <laughs> him to see the Mets? <laughs> I know. But, but the difference in his reaction, like when we got home, and, and we're, we're just talking about he was nonstop talking about the Ranger game for the rest of the week. You know, we're talking about those those things that go on that go on during the game. The pop fan sucks. Chant, the the goal song, um, you know, dance and Larry, those kind of things. And, and whenever I see someone, you know, sort of disparage or, or criticize the pop fan sucks chant, you know, I go I, I always try to look for it. But I, I can't remember where I saw the interview it was with Brendan Shanahan when he came to the Rangers. And he was talking about how the guys on the bench love that stuff and how that's one of the big reasons why he wanted to always wanted to play for the Rangers is, is hearing the pot fan sucks chant um, is hearing the let's go Rangers. I mean, as simplistic as let's go Rangers in, it's just iconic. It's an iconic chant, um, you know, in the NHL. And it's little things like that, that, Again, bring you back to the traditions of the Rangers that, that you could talk to your son or daughters at the first game about some history. And, and it's little things like that that bring it up. And, and to hear fans want to get rid of that, um, you know, it bothers me sometimes. So, you know, I, I, I love everything. That, I hadn't been to a game in a while. And, and I, I, had, I had such a great time, again, singing that goal song, chanting pod band sucks, you know, Clapping and laughing at, at Dance and Larry, who, by the way, is just getting old, man. I, I wonder how long he's gonna he's gonna do that for. But hey, he's looking he's looking old up there. Buddy, how your um, moves? How your moves? I know, right? As <laughs> I'm gonna have to stand next to him in the next game. See see if I got my moves down. But um, so yeah, I, I it's little things like that that really sort of and 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 I and I put out a tweet. I, I sort of did a, a, a tweet. Of, you know what things my son took away from the game, and I and I, I basically wrote all those things: the goal song and. Dance and Larry and, and Pot Fan Sucks. And, and I got so many responses to that of, of people saying, you know, th- that's what they actually remember when their dad took them to the first game or when they took their son or daughter to the first game. You know, and, and, and um, you know, it really is, is more than the game. It's just the experience of being at the garden, you know, the, the, the iconic garden. Um, and, and just those little, you know, traditions that, that we Ranger fans have during the game which make it such an amazing, amazing experience. I'm with you, man. Uh, there was nothing like walking up the stairs to my first game. Into the, and, that's the, you know, this is way, way, that's how old we are. This is way before the renovations, <laughs> man, when the place was as brown as anything. And uh, those dusty old banners are up in the, in the rafters. <laughs> it was just, uh, but there was nothing like it, man. There's nothing like going to the garden. I've been lucky enough to go to a few barns uh, throughout the country and, and a couple in Canada. And, um, you know, there's nothing like home at the Garden. There's, uh, there's nothing like Ranger fans, I, you know, I have to say, uh, especially if you're on the road and you see other Ranger fans at games. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just great. I mean, look, we haven't won a lot, <laughs> you know. And the Rangers are a, you know, it's, it's a Ranger fans tradition, especially in, <coughs> New, especially in New York because of the five boroughs, because of Manhattan and Long Island and Westchester and everything else, uh, the outer areas and stuff, it's, it's such a um, – it's, it's passed down genera- generation after generation. You know, I've, we've lived out in the island, KD, and we, we've seen the gap out here that's happened out with the Islanders and obviously their ownership, and they didn't treat the dynasty. They lost that. They let it go with all the, the nonsense that went on. And it's unfortunate to say – I don't say that to knock the Islander fans. I don't say to knock the Islanders team. It's a tragedy – it's a tragedy what happened out here, um, even with all, especially because they won so much. Uh, as far as our, our team, our squad, hasn't really won that much as far as championships. Um, but, man, uh, every night, I don't care what it is, man, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night games, the Garden's packed, man. 
and it's rocking, and it's a great experience. Like I said, taking the train, going in early. Geez, I remember we used back in the day when I was throwing them back big time, smoking in the hallways, all that stuff. I mean, it was just uh, there was nothing like the atmosphere. And obviously the blue seats, KD, the old blue seats, man. Those were just like you had. That's where you wanted to go sit. You wanted to hang out up in the blue seats, and uh, it's just great stuff, man. I know we, we got to keep doing this because uh, I could go on and on for hours about memories and, and and the vibes and the different teams and the coaches, and we definitely got to do more stuff. But uh, that's just it's great to come, uh, you know, becoming a, a dad. And uh, I'm, I was just talking to my my little guy, six, and my daughter's ten, and uh, we just talking about it the other day, and I said, hey, you guys want to go see the Rangers? And they were like, yeah, let's go see the Rangers and stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to that experience too, buddy. It's uh, it's good stuff, and it's a great story. I'm glad your son enjoyed it, and now he can enjoy the misery. Like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm definitely setting him up for a, a life of, of disappointment and pain. Well, you're taking, but, uh, you know, taking him to Met games. I mean, come on, buddy. <laughs> Don't do that to him anymore. <laughs> All right, buddy. We're wrapping up this show, episode 10. Before we go, and I hope it's a player this week, buddy. Give me KD's Rangers Man Crush of the Week. It's never a player. Why would it ever be a oh, player? Come on, <laughs> KD. <laughs> and I'm going to get real cheesy with it. Super oh. cheesy. You're you're really going to love this. My man crush of the week is of, is going to be to our listeners. <laughs> now, I am and, not laughing at our listeners. <laughs> I'm just laughing at that delivery. <laughs> um, and, and the reason being is, as you brought it up before, is that last week after the last episode, you know, our podcast, which is only two months in, we're in we're on the 10th episode. We, we were the 16th most popular hockey podcast in the United States, which blew, just absolutely blew my mind. I know it blew Paulie's mind as well to, to have that type of listenership, that type of, um, you know, dedication from you guys that, that you are listening to our stuff, that, that, you know, you appreciate what we're doing and we appreciate that you guys are listening. And, and just to see that number really sort of blew our mind. We were sort of, texting with each other like on thanksgiving like do you see that (laughs) you know when the when the sort of rankings came out it you know it was uh you know really nice to see we really appreciate it you know if we had one listener i i'd be excited but just this just to see that uh you know to get to that point with it this quickly um you know i just really want to thank everybody for listening and and Everyone listening, uh, you guys are my man crush of the week. Man and woman crush of the week, I should say. Bravo, KD. Ditto, brother. I am with you. Thank you so much, everybody. It's, uh, it's exciting to see. It's not what we're doing this for. We're doing this because we love doing it, and we're enjoying this team. Uh, you know, Obviously, me and KD have been in the hockey stuff for years. We've both taken a break here for the last four or five years. We're getting back into it. We appreciate everybody who's just jumping on board and having patience with us and getting the show rolling. But, uh, yes, we can't thank you guys enough. And keep telling everybody, tell your friends, share, 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 uh, because we got a lot. Go ahead, Katie. I don't know, Paul. No, I was going to say, I'm about the accolades. You may not be. No, <laughs> <laughs> the ego has landed, ladies and gentlemen. It's good. Walking around with a big head over here. Can't fit through the uh, the doorways here. No, no I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, again, much get, appreciated. Get we bleed blue to make you uh, <laughs> I'm number one. I'm number 16. <laughs> No, it's all good. No, honest to God, we appreciate everybody, and we can't thank you guys enough. Uh, We're having a lot of fun doing this, and we're enjoying watching the squad. Great game on tap tomorrow night. Thanks so much for listening. As always, say goodnight, KD. Goodnight, KD. (laughs) Thanks so much, everybody. Share, subscribe, let everybody know. We love doing this. Let's go, Rangers, baby! Woo-hoo!